Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers Indiana News blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at Fall Creek Junior High School on Oleo Road here in Fishers, and uh, this is one of my favorite podcasts I do every year. I get a chance to speak with the teacher of the year for the Hamilton Southeastern Schools. This year it is uh, Kristen Disler, and Kristen Disler is a librarian here at the Fall Creek Junior High School. Kristen, welcome. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I do want to just say a couple things. Number one, usually I talk about the uh, Teacher of the Year last year. Teacher of the Year last year was every teacher in the school corporation. It was the superintendent, uh, Dallin Borf at the time, who made that decision just because of uh, the stress levels that all teachers were going through at the time. So uh, certainly... uh, Uh, a well-deserved honor for all. But yet, if you go back further, the two previous individual teachers of the year were librarians, media specialists, however you wish to do that. This is the third consecutive time that librarians, a librarian, has been selected for that. So obviously, HSC schools, uh, the district does recognize its librarian staff. Yes, they do. It's very nice, and it's a great accolade. I'm going to talk about just the work that you do, because I did this with the previous two individual winners of the uh, Teacher of the Year. Uh, The first uh, thing that I I, I always think about is, I think when I was in school, again, I'm I'm older, (laughs) when I was in school, the librarians really weren't involved in education. They were, they kept the books in order, they helped you find things, they helped you use the library uh, even in college, when I was in college, uh, the librarians helped you use the library, but that wasn't really much more than that. Yeah, what you do is is a, is a much different role than what I remember, maybe some of the people in my age group remember. So tell me about the role of the librarian, let's say, at a junior high school such as yours. Yeah, so in HSC, our title is a teacher librarian. Um, and We still do all of those things. Um, We just do it in a little bit of a different way. Um, I would say our biggest role is a collaborative effort between all the teachers. We are um, working with teachers on all types of projects that they're doing from social studies to science. I might pull materials for them. I might find resources online. I might show them how to find um, things in the database. So we're really working with teachers all day long and trying to, to help the students. Um, students still come in the library. A lot of people ask me all the time, are books going to go away? And my answer is absolutely not. Um, there are, my students here would choose a book probably over their iPad mm, 95% of the time. Um, they really like books. They would rather have the physical book in their hand. And I think that most librarians find that across the board with all students. There was a video that was produced by the school corporation featuring you, and you said in that little video snippet that when people are in your library, the students are in your library, I should say, uh, it's a a break away from the iPad. Talk about that. Yeah, so last year, you know, during COVID, 
the kids were stuck on their iPads all the time. And so when we came back to school, I really tried to create an environment, and I do this all the time, but I really tried to create an environment where we were doing activities off of the iPad. Um, and, you know, I want my library to be a fun place. It's a hub of our school. Students like to come in there. And so, yeah, we do activities um, a lot of times that are not on the iPad, where the kids are socializing together, having to work together to solve a problem. Um, you know, anything from a, a book talk or a game to um, something fun for them just to interact with each other. And that's something that's a little different. It started when I was in college, but when I was in, for instance, high school, again, dating myself here, 1960, <laughs> late 1960s, what work you did was basically your own work. Mm-hmm. You sat down at a desk, you worked yourself, you studied, you wrote papers, you did it all, you worked problems, but you did them yourself, you could ask for help. And I've seen this trend start really in the 70s and move to where it is today, where these students work in groups. So how, how do you organize that for somebody like myself who didn't get that much experience in that form of education? Uh, how does, as the person leading something like that, how do you go about doing it with those students? Yeah, you know, I mean, look at the workforce today. You're going to have to work on collaborative projects, and they, they really need to um, have those skills to be able to speak to each other and to be able to um, work towards a goal. And so we really try to create an environment where students can work together and, and try to solve problems together and work towards a goal. Um, and how do I do it? <laughs> well, we just try to split them up into groups, and you always hope that the groups work. And if they don't, you switch them around a little bit. <laughs> and you mo- do you do walk around, monitor them a yeah, little bit? Yeah. And, uh... In our library, usually a teacher is in there with me. Mm-hmm. And so if we're working on a, a certain project, um, let's say they're researching something for social studies or they're researching a country or something, then yeah, we'll walk around and try to um, make sure that everything's going well and prompt questions, you know, so that they can get going or if they're stuck and things like that. So what's a typical day like for a librarian such as you at the junior high level? Um, so I work a lot with the English teachers here. And so they are um, on a rotation. So they come into the library and we still do check out books. So I want to make sure that we, you know, that we still do that, that uh, piece, because I do think that that piece is very important. So um, depending on what we're working on, the students come to visit me, we usually do a mini lesson um, in the library. And then kids are able to check out books and browse and talk to teachers about books. Um, and they're able, we really do promote reading. So we do have a little time for the kids to actually sit down and read. We have some comfy, comfy spots, um, comfy seating. We're getting ready. To, I haven't said this yet, but we're getting ready to be renovated. So that's very exciting. So we will have new comfy seats and new seating um, for the kids to actually sit down and enjoy their book. I did notice in that same video I referred to earlier that uh, during COVID, of course, it was a challenge for every teacher. You didn't Indeed. have, there were long periods of time with no students in the classroom, whether it was the entire time or certain t- you know, days of the week, whatever the setup might have been at that time. You used uh, a bookmobile. I'll talk <laughs> about that. We did. We created the Falcon Express and we went out to five different locations Um Mostly neighborhoods and parks where our students would be um, able to access easily, either riding their bike or walk, um, or their family member could bring them. Um, For instance, Brook School Park, um, Gray Eagle Pool. And 
we had fun. We had uh, books that they could check out. Um, they could see a smiling face behind the mask, obviously. Um, you know, kids really lost interaction during that time. Um, and the bookmobile was a way for us to say, we are still here for you. And so when we came around to the bookmobile, um, the kids could check out books. They could play a game. We had some school supplies if they needed anything. We um, also offered, if they weren't able to come in and get their iPad, we could offer that to them. It was really just a connection between the school and the students. And, you know, we had a great response um, I will have to say it it was just something that warmed my heart to be able to see the kids and you know like I said they really they really lost that interaction and we did too as teachers you know teachers sign up to do this because we love students and so you know that was just a way for us to um, keep connected with the kids and build those relationships even though we were virtual another thing we did was um, uh, we kind of took it off of DoorDash but we did book dash where we uh, the kids could put in a request they could order a book if they or a couple books if they wanted it and we delivered to their front doorstep um, and my library assistant and I drove many miles and delivered whatever they needed um, and that was just another way to you know stay connected I always wrote them a little note on their book and put it on their front doorstep um, so that they knew that we cared for them. Yeah, that was my next question about Book Dash. I thought that was a really clever name. And, uh, yeah, that was an, a delivery service for, for library books. So uh, at least you kept your students involved with reading. I think that was the whole idea, uh, was to keep them uh, reading with with the old-fashioned books that are with the binders on them and the yes. pages, the physical books. I remember talking to a librarian here uh, at the Fisher's, or the, actually the Hamilton East Library, uh-huh. right here in Fisher's. And she said, well, I like technology, and I think uh, what we have in technology is great. And yes, I like the iPads and the laptop computers, but I'm sorry, I really like books. Mm -hmm. And I think every librarian thinks that way, don't they? I I think most librarians you would talk to would say the same thing. Technology helps us in many ways, um, but, you know, it's just something about that physical book and sitting down with that physical book and turning the pages and feeling the pages is, um, you know, a connection to your brain and it starts at a young age. And so children who are read to at a young age develop that love for a book. You know, I have a Kindle and I read a lot of books on my Kindle, but then I I read a a book that was written by a relative of mine. I ended up buying the book itself. It was kind of nice to read the physical book again. There is something you miss about that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I find other people feel that way as well. You don't ever want to just not read a regular book. There's something special about that. But I think as a librarian, that's that's the way you look at it. I want to talk about teaching because, as you mm-hmm. said, you are a teacher librarian. That mm-hmm. is part of what you do as the teacher of the year. That's obviously a big part of what you do. I have teachers in my family. And one of the saddest things that has happened to me recently is that uh, my niece, who lives up in the Chicago area, who's a special education teacher, has just left the job. Mm. She went out, she's working in the private sector in a kind of an education-related job, but it just got to the point where she just couldn't take it anymore. And she loved her work, loved her students, but uh, you know, sometimes the job is difficult. And I think COVID has made teaching just a, another layer of difficult. And I've heard anecdotal stories around HSC where these sorts of things are happening, where teachers are... Are, are, who are dedicated and want to, to be teachers are just saying, I'm sorry, I just can't handle it anymore. Um, as somebody who's Teacher of the Year, obviously you're a leader amongst the teachers. Uh, 
if you have one of your colleagues come and sort of let you know, I'm this is really this job is really getting to me. What what is your message to that teacher? You know, I think that um, it is a stressful job, and you know, you go into the to the profession because you love kids, but oftentimes teaching goes off of just the kids. You know, it's not just about the kids. It's about a lot of other things. And so um, I think that what I would say to a person is, you know, remember why you do this. You know, it's for the kids and it's, um, you know, all those other things you can get caught up in, but it's really for the kids. And and I think, um, you know, mental health is another important thing. You have to take care of yourself as a teacher. You know, you can't, a lot of times teachers spend so many hours and you, don't forget about yourself. Like do something that it helps you restore you and have something that you enjoy outside of teaching um, because you really do have to take care of yourself and your mental, your own mental health, especially in the last 18 months. You know, you really, really got to focus on what makes you happy and what, what can you do to re-energize yourself. You know, one thing Fishers as a city, and uh, of course HSC Schools is bigger than just the city, but still HSC Schools also has, has uh, emphasized mental health, especially mm-hmm. amongst the students. But I think you make a very important point because uh, the, the student mental health is extremely important, but the staff mental health is something that's just as important. Absolutely. Yes, agreed. And there are places for teachers to go if they feel they have the need. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, find your outlet. I, you know, if, is it working out? Is it, you know, reading a book and having a cup of coffee? Is it going out, you know, uh, to lunch with a friend? But make sure that you're doing those things for your own um, mental health as well, because it, it can get very taxing. Um, I, I as was, I, as a reporter, I, I worked as a civil servant for 28 years, retired 10 years ago. Before that, I was a news reporter, made a living that way. And I remember getting to know one police officer when I was working the police beat, work, uh, covering that, and, and he talked about the stresses of being a police officer. Mm-hmm. And he said, the way I handle it is when I get, I mean, I spend eight hours, sometimes more a day with dealing with the worst parts of life, mm-hmm. the worst things that can happen. So when I went home, I had a hundred hobbies. You know, he just did Good. anything he could find that would take his mind off his regular job. And you're right. You talk about everybody has their own favorite outlet. Yes. And you say working out, walking, just, uh, jogging, getting on the treadmill, whatever it might be, is one of those ways to burn off some of that stress. But everybody has to to get the kind of help they need to know how to do that. But I, I, I worry about the teaching profession. It's such an important profession. And uh, uh I would hope that any teacher listening to this would take care of themselves and and then try to stay in in the profession. Another part of this, as a teacher of the year, and I, I've seen some numbers on this that are that are discouraging as well. You, you look at some of the schools of education, at places like Purdue and uh, Ball State, I, the larger institutions in the state of Indiana, and the numbers are down. The number of people who are entering the educational portal to get into uh, to, to the teaching profession. Uh, I mean, this this is a bit discouraging. What do you think Indiana or just we as a nation can do to encourage? Because I know when I was in high school, uh, there were, a lot of people wanted to be teachers in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just the, 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 the way people thought at that time, the general prevailing views people had. I'm not sure if that's the case today. How do we change that? 
You know, I don't know. We certainly don't go into this profession for the money, as you know. And um, I, I don't know how you change it. I think that you um, really focus on supporting the teachers that we have. And I think that that, um, you know, communities really need to back their teachers and, and really um, get behind their teachers. Because, yes, you're right. We, we do want to encourage the new generation to be joining the teaching education. Um, I'm not sure how you do that. I think that, like I said, you get behind you get behind your teachers. You support them. Um, I think also the amount, the weight, and the responsibility that is on teachers, you know, it just keeps getting greater and greater and greater. And you know that doesn't look very promising to a, a new graduate um, as well. So you know, I think that we we really you know promote teachers and we really support teachers, and I think that's the way you do it. I've heard a lot from from teachers about, and you talk about the pressures. I think one of the pressures that has come around in, in the last couple of decades ha- is tied to testing. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on what grade you're teaching, because there are certain grade levels where the high stakes tests happen. But even the mm-hmm. teachers who are not at that grade level have a responsibility to, you know, bring their students up to to where the they can, you know, uh, get into a test and, and do well. I'm just curious, as someone in the teaching profession and, and a librarian, teacher librarian, uh, testing, what role should it play as we look at our schools, evaluate our schools, our teachers, our our school systems, our buildings? What What are your views about how testing does or does not fit into that? You know, I I could talk all day about testing, but I um, I. You know, I feel like we put a lot of stress on our kids with testing, and I feel like assessments should be used for teachers to know how they can um, change the way that they're teaching. I don't think assessments should be the end-all, be-all for students, you know? There's so many different factors with testing. Let's say you're having a bad day, or let's say you haven't had breakfast that morning, or let's say, you know, something happened at home, and this is the this is what you're judged on. I just don't, I'm not a big fan of that. I do think assessments are great um, for teachers to be able to evaluate how the students are growing throughout the year. Um, So yeah, I think the stress of testing does weigh on teachers a lot. And it's, it's really unfair when you factor in all of those other factors that a student might be um, dealing with. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I do it as a volunteer, as a journalist now, but uh, still I cover education, so I try to read up every now and then on it. And I'd like your reaction to this, because a lot of people who are in, the, in academia who study this say the proper role of testing is not necessarily to evaluate a student or a teacher or a building or a school system. It should be used as one of many measures mm-hmm. to see how the student is doing, how mm-hmm. maybe the teacher is doing, how the building is doing. but And how we can change yeah, to, I think, to help I, the student better. But I'm, what I'm, I'd like your reaction to this. It is, it is a factor, but when it's the only factor, mm-hmm. uh, some academics worry about that. What's, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, it should be one one tool. It shouldn't be, you know, the end all be all. Again, I just don't. It's it's hard to to evaluate a teacher based on one test, you know. And and we all know, Larry, it all comes down to money. So <laughs> it does. Yes, and and money is definitely involved in that in many different yes. ways. Uh, I don't know. I I, uh, I look at, at testing and, and the way it was handled when I was in school and the way that it's handled today. And I do think taking – and I think the other part of this, and looking at it statewide, I think Indiana has had 
difficulty deciding which test it wants mm-hmm. to use. Yes. And when you change the test, that changes the whole paradigm as to how you evaluate the test. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, I would agree. <laughs> so you're not in a reaction, just an agreement on that. Just smiling. <laughs> well, what about the uh, students of today? I mean, you, you uh, at this, particularly at this grade level, you're at the junior high school level. Uh, you've seen this. You've been around for a few years. You've seen students come in and out. Uh, students, are they about the same? Do they change as a group? What, what do you see? I've been a teacher for 21 years. This is my 21st year. I started out in elementary um, and went to the freshman center. Then I went to junior high. So I've had all levels of kids. Kids are kids. I think kids have been the same for, for a long time. I think it's the, the environment that changes. And I think that um, technology has changed kids a lot. I think technology has changed homes a lot. I think cell phones have changed. Um, you know, the way that kids interact with each other and social media has changed a lot of things. Um, but kids are still kids. Kids are the same that they were, I think, when I started. Um, I just think it's the, the tools that kids are using and, and homes are changing a little bit with, with, the, with technology um, in the way that we interact with each other. Um, I see that in adults as well. Um, so I still think kids are kids. Well, that's interesting you say that because, we, we, you know, the, the kids are the same in many ways, but it's, it's almost like how they're socialized and mm-hmm. what technology has done to them. I mean, obviously, the school system is using technology, has for a number of years yes. now with these iPads and other technologies yes. that, are, that are used in the classroom. Yet, uh, on the other hand, uh, what has that technology done? Has it been, a, you know, it has, certainly has good or bad aspects of mm-hmm. it. But in terms of socialization, you mentioned the cell phone and, and all, all the phone apps and everything that influences youngsters today. Has that changed the way that, for instance, you approach teaching, seeing the students being influenced by all this? Oh, yeah, I would definitely say absolutely. And I would think most teachers would agree with me. You know, you, you give an assignment and they're supposed to be working on their iPad, but then they're start playing games. I mean, that's, you wouldn't have had that opportunity before iPads came around, you know, the kids weren't able to do that. Um, I think that oftentimes, you know, students at home are, you know, on technology a lot more than they were 20 years ago, obviously, because they didn't have those opportunities. Social media creates a whole new thing for kids to um, be involved with each other and interact with each other. And, you know, it's, it's different than it was 20 years ago. But, I, like I said earlier in the podcast, technology can be great and it can be a wonderful tool for us to use with learning. And there are many wonderful things and apps and for us to use with students, but it does create a, a distraction as well sometimes. So we really have to monitor that and try to, you know, try to try to grow with it as as the society grows with technology. You know, the same item you're playing games on, you're trying to learn on. And uh, that's true. That That's a little hard, <laughs> especially with the younger kids, but even at uh, junior high level. Sure, um, yeah. And I, and I even see, I know people who are adults who go into training classes and they get bored and they start playing games sure. on their computer. So it's not like a, a youngster thing. It can yep. happen to adults as well. And I've, We're all I, humans. I did a lot of teaching <laughs> of adults, so I, yes. I, I can tell you plenty of stories about that and nothing to do with with, 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 with young people. What what do um, what do teachers talk about when they're together about 
challenges that, that they face today maybe they didn't face a few years ago? Um, I mean, I think our challenge is always how to, to build relationships with students and how, how, how to let students know that we're here to help them, that we care about them. You know, um, I think kids coming off of COVID are just, you know, they, they have really lost that connection with, with people in general. You know, they were home for a very long time. And so I think that our, our big struggle this year is just to build connections with students and to let students know um, that we care. And, you know, it's often just, how are you today? And, and how's your family? And what's going on with you? And, you know, I think as humans, we, we all would love that. We all love a connection with each other. And so I think as teachers, we've really tried to focus on building connections with our students um, and knowing who your kids are knowing their names, knowing what's going on with them um, so that we can, you know, better help, better serve them. You know, I, my homeowners association had a meeting last night, our annual meeting, and the decision was made by the board that due to all the uh, stats and data we see, we really had to have it on Zoom. So we had it on Zoom, and I've been to a couple of those meetings in person. I've been to a couple of those meetings on Zoom. And just in that frame framework uh you know i think the interactions are quite different mm -hmm. and also some of us are older so <laughs> trying to deal with technology can be a challenge <laughs> zoom or whatever it might be whatever whatever platform you're using but beyond that it's it's just a different way to communicate and if you think about education for many months and then parts of weeks and, and all this change the student was home alone and you don't you and i've talked I haven't just talked to, but it, but read and 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 uh, listened to a number of educators and experts in, in in sociology who said that is so important that what was lost being away from school was much more than academics. It was exactly what you mentioned: the socialization of the students amongst themselves. And also, I've talked to a number of teachers who said, you know, I used to talk to these kids about how's the family doing, what do you, what sports are you involved with, what clubs are you in, just walking down the hall or maybe being a lunch monitor, a chance to, and you lose that. And and I was surprised at how many teachers told me that the loss of that that you discussed earlier, that's what really uh, uh, concerned them. So with the students back in the classroom, we certainly hope for the rest of the school year, we're almost at the end of this semester, although there are masks on and those sorts of things, the students are still in class. Has that been a positive thing? Tell me how that has helped. And, and ha did that time away from uh, the school, is that that's still kind of a cloud over everyone? I'd like to get your view on that. Well, I think that, you know, we, we have had to reteach kids how to do school. Um, and I think that most teachers would agree with me on that. We've had to reteach them um, – how to how to how to do school because they have been on Zoom and they have been home and they've been able to just walk to the fridge when they want to walk to the fridge or turn their camera off when they want to turn their camera off or you know those those types of things and and um, we've had to reteach them how we treat each other in class and how we talk to each other in class and how we work together um, and you know I I don't I'm not elementary but I'm I taught elementary for a long time and I think you know skills like sitting down, sitting in a circle, talking, um, waiting your turn, all those things for elementary, the kids missed. 
And as we know how uh, brains work, if you don't learn a certain skill, you can't really scaffold on it. You can't build on it. And so we've really, um, this year has been a challenge for most teachers to go back and, and, and build those relationships and reteach those skills that the kids lost last year, all while trying to, you know, teach them academics as well. Well, I want to ask you this question. I don't know if this happens often at the junior high level. If it does or doesn't, tell me. But what would happen, and it could be anyone, I guess, at any grade level that may know you. They go to UCA and they say, Ms. Disler, I, I'm interested in being a teacher. You know, what what guidance or what suggestions would you give me? How, how would you respond to that? Um, I'm, interesting, I'm interested in being a teacher. I would say, great, awesome. Um, we need teachers. We definitely need teachers. Um, and I would say, first and foremost, you got to love kids. So if you know, you ha- you're in this for the kids. Um, you're not really in it for yourself. You're in it for the kids. Um, and you're going to have to be a servant. You know, you're, you, are, you, have, you have to serve the students, and that's what, what we're here for. Um, and I would also tell them, too, you know, teaching has changed. It really is. You really have to build those connections. You really have to um, have a relationship with your students. Um, I think students oftentimes, um, they need that trust with their teacher. You know, they need, they need to have that person at school that they trust and that they have a relationship. Just as us adults, we feel a lot more comfortable if we, are, we have a relationship with someone. Kids are no different. I'll uh, try to ask a number of questions here. I'm going to give you a chance to just add anything that uh, you would like to add before we wrap this podcast up. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I, I think the last thing I would just have to say is I love HSE schools and I love my job. Um, like I said, I've been doing it for 21 years. I come from both parents were teachers, uh, 40 years teaching is, you know, part of our family. Um, love HSE schools and what they do for our students. I have two Dissler students, two Dissler kids at Fishers High School. And, you know, I'm really invested in this community and um, our school community as a whole. So I just, I, I ask everybody, please just get behind your teachers and thank a teacher if you have a chance. And uh, Kristen Dissler is the Teacher of the Year for the HSC school system. And I, I will say it correctly this time, she is a teacher librarian <laughs> at Fall Creek Junior High School. Kristen Dissler, thank you for giving me some of your time today. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase, Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind. <music>